You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. This is episode number 365. I'm so happy you're here. I'm your host, Noel Tarr of coconutsandkettleballs.com. Today, I'm going to be talking with the pediatric hospitalists about something that we all come into contact with every single day, and that is plastic. And more so than us, our kids are coming into contact with plastic all the time, at every turn. In 2018, something really profound happened. The American Academy of Pediatrics took a stand and said, in quotations, rapidly accumulating scientific evidence suggests that certain chemicals added during the processing of food and those that may come into contact with food as part of packaging or processing may contribute to disease and disability, end quote. According to the AAP, these additives are particularly dangerous for our children. And that's because children are more sensitive to chemical exposures because they eat and drink more relative to body weight than adults do and are still growing and developing. And it can actually hinder their growth and development. So in their report, they actually called for the FDA to correct weaknesses in its policies and enforcement. The greatest concerns are actually about the effects of these chemicals on the endocrine system, and hormones, and even small disruptions at key moments in development have a permanent and lifelong consequence, potentially. So now while I I do think all of us can get behind this and we have an understanding of this and we want what's best for our kids, this seems really overwhelming because plastics are everywhere, right? So the question is, what should we prioritize when it comes to reducing exposure? Where might it be hiding? Why is that important? How is it actually getting into our body and impacting our endocrine system? And how can we take that information and then make appropriate shifts so that we're using less plastic and we're using more safe products? So that is what I'll be talking about today with my guest, Dr. Manasa Matravati who has quite literally made this her life's work. Before we dive in, if you experience anxiety or chronic pain or you have trouble sleeping at least once a week, maybe you wake up in the middle of the night like I do sometimes, you've likely heard about CBD oil and thought about giving it a try just like me. I thought about giving it a try for like two plus years and finally got around to uh, looking into CBD and how it works last year. The problem that I kept coming into was that a lot of CBD companies are not that reputable. There's a lot of additives. um, The quality is not there. And I eventually found a company called Feels, so that's F-E-A-L-S, and I ultimately chose Feels CBD oil because it's organic, natural, and entirely produced in the USA, and they do stringent testing so that what you're getting, what you're buying, that's actually in the bottle, which is not standard. So their products are formulated with only the purest ingredients without the use of fillers. They, They use full spectrum hemp 
and USDA-certified organic MCT oil and nothing else. If you've tried CBD oil and it didn't work for you, it's probably because it, it wasn't a potent product or you weren't taking enough. So this is exactly what happened to my mom. She now takes Feels CBD oil nightly because it's actually made a huge difference for her. I had to do a little convincing, as as daughters do, but she, she eventually took it. Um, and it's made a huge difference. So CBD oil naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. It actually interacts with your endo cannabinoid system. And we have receptors for these these cannabinoids, just like we have receptors for dopamine and serotonin. So I actually took it last night. I took a full dropper, which is my full dose, what I've kind of experimented with and found that works for me. Because to be quite frank, I got an argument right before bed. So productive. And you know, it was resolved. But if any of y'all have had arguments before bed, you know that your heart rate gets a little high, your cortisol gets a little high, and then you're like, okay, good night. And then what? Like, of course you can't sleep. (laughs) Of course you can't sleep. Thanks, cortisol. So I ended up trying to go to sleep, couldn't go to sleep, took a a full dropper, took my full dose, and was able to fall asleep within like 10 to 15 minutes after that. So I appreciate it because it didn't make me really annoyed um, and helped me get sleep after, you know, what was a more frustrating evening. Um, So the best way to get high-quality CBD oil at a discount is to become a Feels member. So that actually gives you, it's like a monthly subscription. It'll send it to you monthly. And it gives you a 30% discount on the bottles, which is huge. So I'm a Feels member. I have the 1,200 milligram bottle shipped to me monthly. As a member, you can pause or cancel at any time. So sign up, get a few bottles sent to you, and you can pause it if you haven't used those yet. And with our special code, you actually get 50% off your first bottle. That is a deal. Feels.com forward slash well-fed, 50% off your first order with free shipping. Again, that's feels, F-E-A-L-S dot com forward slash well-fed to become a member and get 50% off your first order with free shipping, feels.com slash well-fed. Now let's bring on Dr. Manasa. Dr. Manasa Matravati is a mom of three, including twins, and a pediatrician who founded Ahimsa, which is the world's first colorful stainless steel dinnerware for kids. The company's mission is to disrupt the plastic industry by redefining mealtime. They encourage families to take plastic off of the dinner table and use safe, durable, and sustainable stainless steel in its place. Ahimsa is at the forefront of educating parents about the harmful effects of plastic chemicals on children's health. The Mindful Mealtime Set won Good Housekeeping's 2021 Parenting Awards for being the best durable dinnerware set for kids. Ahimsa is also a winner of the 2021 Napa Awards. Welcome, Dr. Manasa. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to chat about this very important topic. Yeah. So plastics are everywhere. (laughs) Um, It's in our furniture, skincare bottles, which has become on my radar a lot more, uh, toys, water bottles, utensils, cookware, all the things. And it's not something that I think many people think about until they have 
maybe a hormone imbalance or they learn that certain plastics can actually act as endocrine disruptors or maybe you know people have a moment like I did and I can still I still have a vivid memory of when I was using just a plastic spatula you know cooking I think I was in my early 20s and I was actually pretty like health conscious then but I saw it flake off into my food and I mm-hmm. had this moment of like I don't think that's a good thing. Like, I don't think I should be eating plastic, right? So I would love to know how plastics and the problems with plastics sort of came on your radar and became important to you. Sure. So actually, much like you, I think we learn a lot just from life experience and particularly when we become parents. Um, And I remember actually having kind of some of those same moments, uh, you know, having plastic dishes or things that you put in the dishwasher, especially for my children, having plastic kind of foodware. So the cute little cups and bowls and plates and spoons and putting them in the dishwasher and they would never dry. They'd smell a little weird and you'd see them frying and you're like, I don't think that's good. That feels weird. It doesn't seem like that should, you know, be going into our bodies. And so I had this kind of sixth sense as a mom, but really it was my own mom uh, who kind of put her foot down. Um, one day, I actually, she came over. I was just introducing solids to my children. I have twins uh, uh, during my, you know, first pregnancy. And so she came over. She took one look at all of the plastic that I had for the children. And she was watching the children. I went off to work um, for endocrine fellowship, actually, uh, for pediatric endocrinology fellowship. Came home. All my plastic was gone and replaced with traditional Indian steel. <laughs> like, literally, all of <laughs> on. <laughs> Thanks, mom. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, you know, I came home and whatever I was already feeling, she kind of solidified and said, you know, I don't think this is good for the children. Like we use stainless steel in India. You ate off of stainless steel. Mm. It feels better. So I don't want you using plastic. Fast forward. So she had this hunch that maybe the chemicals were going to the children's food. And fast forward five years later, the American Academy of Pediatrics actually released a policy statement, not just a singular study, but an actual policy statement talking about food additives, specifically about endocrine disrupting chemicals in plastic. Um, And it was on a text message chain with my fellow pediatrician moms. Uh, One of the neonatologists, who's a good friend of mine from residency, said, have you seen this AAP statement? What are you guys going to do with all your plastic? And that's kind of how my journey started into figuring out, well, we've got this huge body of scientific evidence and now big organizations um, like the Endocrine Society and the American Academy of Pediatrics and the World Health Organization giving us these really big recommendations, but there really aren't any products to help parents follow those recommendations. And that's kind of where my journey with the company started because I thought, we have a problem, but we don't have a solution. And so how in the world are parents supposed to solve, you know, a- actually work on this? And so that's how my journey started and kind of went back to my roots in India um, to serve, you know, stainless steel. Because actually in that policy statement, they said, try to avoid plastic and rather use glass or stainless steel. Um, and so that that's how my journey started, kind of really not a journey I was expecting to take. But now I'm here and I can't unsee what I've seen and uh, unlearn what I've learned. Yeah. I think, um, you definitely had, had some, like an interesting response because I think a lot of people will hear that or see that. And even now, like, 
we know what we know now about plastics and how they can contaminate food, but it seems very overwhelming to mm-hmm. actually go against the grain and change out what we're doing um, and what we already have and or what's most widely available. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard for parents. And I love that you are trying to make that an easy solution. Um, you're trying to give easy solutions so that parents don't feel like they have to compromise or make their lives harder. Because as you know, as a mom of twins, <laughs> making yeah. your life are harder when you already feel like you're strung thin and you have so many health decisions to make for your children, it just becomes overwhelming. So and also, there's this other side of, of it where a lot of us don't really know how to look for plastic. Sometimes it's hidden. Sometimes we don't know it's there. Sometimes we just think of it as BPA. So mm-hmm. what is plastic? And is all plastic bad? Or is it just BPA? That's a great question, because I think a lot of that has to do with the information that's available and kind of marketing efforts um, that give, you know, people a false sense of confidence when they see something like BPA free plastic. So I think plastic in general, when you kind of think about it, it's a synthetic material, right? You know, when it was first invented, it was a good thing, right? It made our life easier. It was something that was cheaper to purchase. Uh, it didn't break. It, you, you could offer it in awesome colors. Um, and it was, you know, from a manufacturing side, it was, you know, you could mass produce it. Um, and it kind of, again, was indestructible. But fast forward, we realize now all the reasons that plastic were kind of, you know, uh, made to fruition are the exact reasons why it's so bad for us, right? So mm-hmm. now we know that it really doesn't degrade and it's not recyclable and it's causing kind of wreaking havoc on the environment. But then more recently, specifically, the chemicals used to make plastic are actually interfering with human health. And in fact, the World Health Organization, Endocrine Society, AAP, they're raising the red flags in terms of this being the next greatest global threat to human health after climate change. So because of all of the things you just said, it's so pervasive. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. When we think about plastic, there are really, I would say, you know, the seven harmful chemical types in plastic And they're hard to look for, and it shouldn't be on the consumers to have to look for this, right? Brands should be doing better. Regulations should be better so that it doesn't fall on the consumer. But um, the more common ones that people hear about are bisphenols, such as BPA, um, things like alkyl um, phenols, PFAS, um, brominated flame retardants, dioxins, phthalates, um, and UV stabilizers. These are all just different types of chemicals that are put in plastic to give them their properties. So maybe it's to help not, uh, you know, nonstick pans so your eggs don't stick to the bottom. Um, maybe it's to make that uh, plastic a little bit more flexible and uh, reduce the brittleness. So it, these are just very specific chemicals that are added into plastic so plastic can do its job. Unfortunately, those chemicals also wreak havoc on the endocrine system. That's kind of the basic, when we think about bisphenols specifically, I think a lot of parents see the term, you know, BPA free and feel like it's a safe plastic. Unfortunately, um, BPA is really just one chemical in the family of chemicals called bisphenols. And all of those kind of uh, cousins, if you will, 
wreak the same havoc on our hormone system or our endocrine system. So unfortunately, the replacements like BPF, BPS are just as harmful and if not more harmful than BPA, which Mm. not what you want to hear, I'm sure. So how does it I think a lot of us have this understanding that if you heat food in plastic, like, okay, that makes sense. It's leaching it onto food. But when we're talking about these plastics, are they leaching? Are those chemicals getting onto our skin and like affecting us and causing endocrine disruption just by, let's say, holding it or sitting on it? Uh, or, or is it something that really has to be like, Uh, it comes to uh, like comes more into our body from like leaching into food. Yeah, correct. So there are lots of different exposures. So in general, just to back up so people can even understand why this is important. So a, you know, how it gets into our body. And then once it gets into our body, what does it do? So in general, these chemicals in plastic, um, you know, just daily human exposure. So oral ingestion, um, inhalation, in contact are the most common. So, for example, you know, I focus in a lot about oral ingestion because um, because of that food additive policy statement and our food chain supply, our um, food wear processes. All of those for me is one of the most important things because, um, you know, the the when the food comes into contact with these chemicals, it can leach into the food at baseline. Heat will increase that leaching of these chemicals into the food, but it's already doing it. Things like heat, um, even etching or scratching of plastic, you had kind of talked about, you know, things flaking off, that clearly increases the amount of leaching that happens. But at baseline, it's also transferring. Things like inhalation, you know, phthalates can kind of just be found in dust particles in your house, and then skin contact are also kind of common exposures. So Um, Why I care about it as a pediatrician the most is because, as you can imagine, most children's products are overwhelmingly plastic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we think about uh, toys and how do children explore the world with their mouth, especially in the infant stage. And so, um, you know, things like toys and then specifically feeding products. When we think about feeding products, baby bottles, plastic um, cups plates, bowls, sippy cups, all of those things are made of plastic. Whereas if you kind of go into the adult world, they're not right. Or even if you go into the, uh, I kind of always joke about this. It's a little bit uh, counterintuitive, but we feed our pets out of stainless steel bowls, right? But then we're feeding our children off of plastic. So just kind of thinking about all the different routes can be overwhelming, but I think it's important to understand that you have control over it. The reason it's so important is because once those chemicals get into your body, um, they disrupt the endocrine system. And so people think about the endocrine system, they may have heard the word hormones, um, and it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I think as adults, we think about hormones in terms of uh, reproductive, like fertility. We think about it in terms of like our thyroid. Um, but for kids, it's incredibly important for normal growth and development. Um, the, the, the endocrine system is essentially a series of glands in our body that communicate with each other in a very, very sophisticated way. And when that sophisticated communication happens, different things happen. So maybe your thyroid is growing and producing thyroid hormone to allow your brain to develop. Maybe it is 
the pathway for your ovaries uh, and your testes to produce estrogen and testosterone to undergo normal puberty. Um, and maybe it's the pancreas to produce insulin um, to be able to kind of process glucose. So the endocrine system is so important for normal kind of um, just normal health, but specifically for growth and brain development in children. Um, and so when these chemicals kind of interfere, because they basically look like those chemicals, that's why we call them endocrine disrupting. You can just kind of think of it like a lock and a key. The key is the hormone and um, the lock is the organ. And unfortunately, those that key, uh, the plastic chemicals look like that same key, but they wreak havoc when they open or close that lock. And so that's why it's exceedingly important in children who are going through critical phases of growth and development um, to allow that endocrine system to do what it's normally supposed to do and not interrupt those signals with these chemicals. You know, that's so interesting because I think what I talk about, you know, this is the Well-Fed Women podcast. And, you know, we talk about endocrine disruption for women a lot. And that's always on our minds is like, how are the things that we are exposed to, the things that we're applying to our skin, the things that we're eating, you know, how is that in impacting our endocrine system? Because we don't want to experience things like hormone imbalances and estrogen dominance. And, you know, all, we, we want to get healthy periods and healthy cycles. But thinking about it in terms of how it impacts children, I think is even more profound because like you like I didn't realize until you're talking about this, how how much it impacts their proper growth and development. And sometimes we're more stringent. We think kids can just kind of and yeah, kids are resilient, right? It's a, it's an amazing blessing because they go through a lot and they're <laughs> falling and they're tripping and they got they're just they're they they can rebound very quickly from things you know, more so than we can. But um, and it just seems like they can sleep wonderfully and all the things, you know, they, they can go out hard. But, you know, we're in, in ways that we struggle. But it it actually it seems almost more important. You know, we put all this attention to us and what we're doing in terms of, you know, making sure that we're not exposed, exposing ourselves unnecessarily to endocrine disruptors. But it almost seems more important for our children. It, um, it is. And it's, it, the reason it's so important is because it's happening at critical stages of growth and development, right? So the things that, um, you know, when you're born, all of your organs are not completely developed, right? So your kidneys can't necessarily handle the same salt load. The liver can't necessarily, um, you know, detox all the toxins that it can later on in life. And so that's why it's so important that we take care of these crucial kind of moments uh, for normal growth and development. And I'll tell you, you know, you actually see real world implications. I think the problem is just like what you said, people don't know about it. And it's so kind of silent, right? You don't see a child drinking out of plastic and then suddenly is like growing an extra like arm out of his, his head, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like sci-fi movie, like that's not how it works. It's very, it's very silent. And so what happens is you actually see this not necessarily like in a single child cause and effect, you see it over the course of a generation. So for example, when I was in medical school, type one diabetes was clearly labeled childhood diabetes. Type two diabetes was clearly labeled adult diabetes. Um, and now we routinely see children with type two diabetes, with morbid obesity, 
We see children who now undergo um, precocious or premature puberty at kind of a very significant rate that we have not seen in the past. We see much, many more children with ADHD. And so when you look at kind of all of these things in one generation, you know, genetics doesn't change in a generation. Like, like it doesn't just change that quickly. That means that there is some kind of background noise here that's happening at the environmental level that's impacting all of us at such a massive, you know, scale that we don't even recognize that it's happening. But now the scientists do recognize it's happening. Um, and you can kind of think about it in terms of like the lead movement, for example. Um, when we found out lead was bad for children's cognitive development, we removed it from gasoline, from paint. And so we did we did the things. And turns out a generation later, those children are on average four to eight IQ points higher than the generation before them. So you can see how we have to pay attention to the bigger issues that affect kind of all of us as opposed to just one of us. There, this, they may not have an answer to this, but are there early signs that our children are being exposed to these chemicals at too high of a rate? Like, would you say that ADHD or maybe just problems focusing or something like that are some of these early signs and signs that plastics may be involved? So this is a very uh, interesting and challenging question, right? Because we know, so the, the way science works, right? And, and I think a lot of your listeners probably know this. You kind of first find out a fact or you, you find out some sort of trend. And then the researchers say, hmm, is, there, is this actually a trend or is this a one-off, right? Then you kind of study that to say, okay, are these two things related? You know, are these endocrine imbalances related to these plastic chemicals? Then you study it at scale, right? Let's study a lot of children a lot of humans to really see are these things linked and then you can make kind of recommendations and then you do real kind of interventional studies that say we're going to measure these things and then you make real big changes that you can um, kind of intervene and then then you measure it again so we're not on the other side yet right so we can't just initially say uh, your child is you know, it's not completely cause and effect because to say that your child's obesity or type 2 diabetes is purely because of plastics would not be correct either, right? There's a lot of, at the end of the day, you know, healthy nutrition and, and, and physical activity is a big contributor to that too. So because it's multifactorial, it's not as easy just to say, you know, this plastic bottle is causing this ADHD, but it is a component that we need to kind of pay attention to and, and work on. Does that make sense? It's, it's not, yeah. mm -hmm. so not, not yet. Now in the future, like for example, um, we have lead testing now, right? We didn't many, many years ago, but one of the things that we do, uh, when you go to your pediatrician's office, we do a lot of kind of screening, right? So do you live in an old home? Is there uh, paint, you know, is it, was it built before the 1970s? Is there, uh, you know, in your windowsills, is your paint chipping? If you answer yes to some of those, we realize, ooh, you may be at a higher risk for lead exposure. Let's test you based on your level of risk. And then you actually test to see, you know, is that lead exposure high? Does that child have clinical outcomes that are related to that lead exposure? So that's kind of been teased out. We're just kind of on the forefront of plastics. And now we know that we can do some urinary bisphenol testing 
coronary phthalate, but those aren't routine tests that we're doing in the pediatrician's office. But I anticipate as we continue this journey into kind of pediatric environmental health, that one day that's where we will be, right? Doing kind of risk assessments and actual measurements uh, to make sure that we can control some of these outcomes for children. Mm. So what does, I found it so interesting, this, and you mentioned the AAP came out with this, like, very, almost definitive statement, which was like, there's this rapidly accumulating evidence, and it's it's saying (laughs) what we're seeing is that this packaging can actually contribute to disease and disability. Is there, like, quite a bit of research that has already been done and like what what have the conclusions been for the AAP to come to you know to make that big of a statement yeah so i think that's a, i think it's a very important thing to talk about right this is not just a single study this is not a, a spot kind of snapshot in time these are very large organizations medical organizations right so um, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the 67,000 pediatricians, the Endocrine Society, who just came out with a very, very strong, overwhelming um, kind of uh, policy regarding endocrine disrupting chemicals in plastic, just was released in December 2020. So these are big organizations, and I believe they have something like, um, and it's an international uh, organization. Like, so these are all global organizations, World Health Organizations. They're coming out with these big policy statements, with these big reports, because they've reviewed many, 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 many studies that are strong, that have power, and that have been kind of studied over time. So really, some of the main kind of concern was starting to be, you know, kind of the red flags were starting to be um, raised back like 10 years ago. So this is not totally new, but the the... The power of the statements, the power of the organizations now, because they have this long-term, more reliable, um, numerous studies, that's why this is all coming to fruition in terms of multiple medical organizations being very kind of concrete about it and not dancing around it and saying, no, this is a problem. It's pretty profound, especially when you're almost, I mean, you're kind of going against this big industry, <laughs> the industry of plastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My, it's like, oh, so you're going to do this and just fight the plastic industry, right? I'm like, <laughs> but, but to me, it's not even, you know, yes, it's a multi-gazillion dollar industry, but it, it's, here's the thing. Like I said, when they first started the plastic industry, they were trying to put out something good, right? And so I, I like to think that, you know, the... I like to really believe in the good of everyone in this world Mm -hmm. and being educated on this topic, whether you are a plastic producer and kind of a plastic giant or a stainless steel or whatever it is, it's in all of our best interest for humanity and for the future generations and our planet that we solve this. So they know it best, right? The plastic industry knows it best. So how can we you know, come up with better solutions, you know, so maybe there is a new type of, um, you know, non-harmful plastic in the future. I don't know, but I think it is important to engage these discussions kind of from everyone, because again, it's in all of our best interest and certainly our children's best interest to be thinking about this. 
Blue Blocks, which makes the best blue light blocking computer glasses, sleep plus glasses, and red and yellow light bulbs on the market, has just launched a line of anti-radiation earphones, laptop mat, and harmonizing stickers. Yes, these are high-quality EMF blocking products that block up to 99% of EMFs or electromagnetic fields. So electromagnetic fields are invisible areas of energy, also known as radiation, that are produced by electricity, specifically power lines, Wi-Fi, electronic devices, etc. Now here's the deal. Yes, there still needs to be more research done on the long-term effects of EMF exposure, especially over time. However, some people like myself find that they are very sensitive to EMFs in the home. For example, we started getting more and more Bluetooth items in our home, but as our home got smarter, I was getting more and more headaches and feeling more and more stimulating, stimulated and have, was like having problems sleeping and I just couldn't pinpoint what was going on. So we stopped using Bluetooth light bulbs and appliances. I gave up my AirPods, which was very hard for me to do, but I saw a direct correlation with how long I was wearing my AirPods and headaches and brain fog, and we started turning off the Wi-Fi at night, which really helped. For me, it's it's helped tremendously, and now I block EMFs as much as possible with Blue Blocks AirTubes, their laptop mat, which I have under my computer right now, and I have tried so many EMF blocking products before Blue Blocks, just like I tried a lot of Blue Blocks, like Blue Blocking glasses. And in terms of quality and effectiveness, Blue Blocks is where it's at. It is worth it to make an investment and make it once and to know that it's actually working. So I recommend everybody go get a laptop pad, especially. Air tubes are really important. The harmonizing stickers are important. It can really make a difference. Our link is blueblocks.com slash wellfed. Our code is wellfed for 15% off, which is actually a really, really good deal. Do one big order. Get yourself some blue blocking glasses and also get, you know, a laptop pad and some air tubes. And maybe some red light bulbs for your nightstand like we have. Again, that's blueblocks, B-L-U-B-L-O-X dot com forward slash wellfed. Our code is wellfed for 15% off. So you mentioned plastic exposure can actually be measured with a blood or a urine test. So is that something, and that it's not done regularly, so is that something we should be doing regularly, both for ourselves and, and for our kids? And is it something we can go to our pediatricians and request? Um, at the moment, no. So these are kind of, it's not widely available. They're very expensive, and they're not kind of um, routinely available. So like your, your pediatrician is probably not going to just be able to order it. But there's a, there's a continuum, again, in kind of research, right? Not everything happens overnight. And so when you start to have, so the, again, a lot of what we do in general pediatrics is called anticipatory guidance. So we do a lot of things in your routine well-child checks when you go to the pediatrician. There's a reason we ask you certain questions. And there's a reason there are certain screening, um, you know, so at certain, at certain times of your child's development, we check their hemoglobin, right? Because we know that there's a trend of kind of iron deficiency anemia in toddlers. And so that's why we do it. And it can actually help change the outcomes. And so that's what I think about when I think about testing. What's the test I'm going to do? And how, like, is it reliable? Is it cost effective? And does it affect change on the other side? So we're going down that path, but we're not there yet. 
the one the, the good news, since we're talking all doom and gloom right now, and it can feel overwhelming, the good news is, okay, so here's the thing. We have circulating levels of all sorts of chemicals in our body. Chemicals are a natural thing, right? Like we are made of chemicals. It's the synthetic harmful chemicals we're concerned about. And so when you think about circulating chemicals in your body, bisphenol is a synthetic chemical. It should not be circulating in your body, right? That is a man-made chemical versus something like um, iron. Like that is a chemical and, and we find it in our body. And so those are two very different things. The the bad news is that we are actually seeing circulating levels of, be, uh, of bisphenols even in newborns and fetuses, which is really scary. The, okay. So we know that it can kind of be transferred during pregnancy and kind of transferred throughout generations. The good, so that's kind of the bad news that we should have these circulating levels of synthetic chemicals that really should not be inside the human body. The, the good news is that we know from studies that when you kind of decrease your exposure to these endocrine disrupting chemicals, that we do see those levels fall in as little as three days. So that should make people feel really good about kind of feeling educated and empowered to make decisions that can actually affect the outcomes for their family. So I think my job as a pediatrician is not to scare people, but to rather educate you and empower you to make decisions that, you know, that, that can help. <laughs> and and not, you're not in control of everything, unfortunately, but at least some of those decisions uh, you can be in control of. And so that's my job to kind of help parents work through that. Yeah, I was just sitting here thinking about, I've, I had a conversation with, because it's overwhelming as a parent, you, you think, okay, well, it needs to be zero and it can't always be zero. You know, you can't always like ex- get rid of all plastic exposure in your life 100%. And the answer is the world is toxic. Like there are things that you just mm-hmm. can't control, right? So I have, I have a more holistic doctor and I remember, you know, I think I was having just this weird flare up of skin or some some issue. And I'm like, but I, you know, why, why is this happening? Like I do all the things, I'm doing all the right things. And she's like, well, you just can't control the whole world. Like there's the world is toxic. We're, this is what the world we live in. And so even as you you can make the best decisions for yourself and your family and you do the best that you can, but perfection cannot be attained, nor should that stress you out. You know, you have to understand that we have control and uh, of a lot of things. And so we need to control those things, right? Those exposures and then let go of the things that we don't have control of, like the things that our kids are coming into contact with and we're coming into contact with outside of our regular repeated exposure in our home. So it's, uh, it's a lot. And, and look at, you know, you just, if you did kind of an audit of your day, right, just in your day, you literally can't get away from plastic. It, it's, it's, it's everywhere. And so instead of saying, oh my gosh, it's everywhere, I feel almost handicapped by this and like frozen in time because I feel like I can't do anything. I would kind of urge people to say, okay, it's everywhere, but where can I kind of focus in on that I can make a change, right? Because you're not going <laughs> to change everything in your home um, unless you go and live in some sort of remote village uh, <laughs> by yourself without, you know, it's not, it's not realistic, but just kind of go through and say, okay, what are the key things that I can do that are in my control? And maybe it is just one or two things. And you know, and then next year, it's another one or two things. And just those small incremental changes can make a huge difference for your family. And then if you do it, 
and I do it and 10 more parents do it, then we're actually moving the needle in a really big way. So I think that's what I want people to feel. I want you to feel empowered to do something, not totally scared and frustrated by this conversation of plastic. Yeah. So what are some small steps that we can take to reduce um, overall plastic exposure? Like, what are those big things that we really need to focus on? Yeah, I think one of the, uh, for me, just thinking about your home and the things that you do. So for me, the kitchen is a prime area in which you can control a lot of things. So of course, like for our company, switching from plastic to stainless steel or glass is kind of an AAP recommendation, um, but it is also kind of a recommendation from Endocrine Society. And so that's something that's in your control, right? So instead of buying the plastic dishes, you either come to us or to be honest, people in the business world hate when I do this, but I don't care where you get it. I I just want your children to be safe. (laughs) And so, you know, like it, the stainless steel or glass is, is, is a better material because it's been widely studied. Um, and it's inert, so it doesn't interact with the food that your children are eating. Um, and for stainless steel, it's non-porous, so you know bacteria can't hide. And so these are two safe materials that you can switch out. So for example, I did that obviously for my own children in terms of what I served them on, but even storing my food. So I used to have all the Tupperware, right? I used to have all of those, uh, the that plastic Tupperware, and I switched to glass. Um, and, and soon we will be releasing some um, really exciting storage containers uh, l- later in the year. And so, again, making those conscious decisions on what you store and serve your food on is, is an easy switch. Um, and then when you think about cooking, Teflon is, is quite horrendous. Um, there's a chemical called PFAS, uh, something we call forever chemicals. Those are found in Teflon to make your pan nonstick, which I understand is very convenient <laughs> because I use them as well. But unfortunately, those chemicals in plastic are exceedingly dangerous because not just, you know, the health outcomes that they cause, but they, unlike bisphenols, they just last forever. So you can't get rid of them. It's like thousands of years. So just like I said, you can decrease your exposure and some of those levels can drop. This chemical is not one of those. And that's why it's such a big deal. And there's actually new legislation um, around this particular chemical. So switching out your uh, Teflon or kind of those nonstick pans to something like cast iron or stainless steel is a great option. So that's what I did. Um, and, and then PFAS, it's it's PFSA, hmm. right? Because I think a lot of people have seen that, but they haven't heard it said as PFAS. I love it when I actually hear somebody say something. I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> what I've been calling PFSA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. P- so it's PFAS. P- PFAS. Sorry, PFSA. PFAS. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that again is what you find in Teflon. It's not necessarily a plastic, but or, can you just review that again for what that is? Yeah, yeah. So um, things like. Uh, uh, so, so it's a it's a process that is added to uh, plastic. So it's okay. basically add fluorine. So fluorination of plastic is what kind of led inadvertently to the creation of these PFAS. Um, and so it's basically one of the reasons they added it to plastic is to help it not stick to things. So again, great reason, but really mm-hmm. bad outcome. And so it kind of forms this barrier on the plastic surface and helps strengthen packaging, for example. And so when you add fluorine to plastic, it creates 
uh, this byproduct called PFAS, which is again, an endocrine disrupting chemical, and unfortunately is a forever chemical. So that's why PFAS, it's a perfluorinated compound. So lots of different fluorine. Oh, got it. So that's why we say, you know, like that, that is one that I immediately, so when I learned about that, I, that was the very first transition I made way before plastic, because I, the, the literature on kind of Teflon came out before plastic. And so I remember when my kids were um, very young, we had already made that switch because that's the first I heard about it. And then, you know, in, in 2018, the American Academy of Pediatrics talked about specifically plastic and to serve and store food. So those are some of the material changes you can make in your kitchen, you know? So again, moving from nonstick to really stainless steel or cast iron, moving from plastic to glass or stainless steel to serve and store food. Also just buying organic produce, for example, um, because remember, um, unfortunately, a lot of these, uh, uh, a lot of our fruits and vegetables are wrapped in plastic or they right. have pesticides on them, which also are um, specifically um, can, can, you know, not be a great uh, chemical to expose your children to. So trying to choose organic when you can, um, that that is a, a really good way trying to, you know, really eat just fresh produce. Um, one of the things that we've been doing is just grow your own herbs because that's a really easy way to not have to buy that basil in the plastic packaging, but rather just plant it. And it's an, it's an awesome developmental activity with your children. Uh, they get to see how, um, you know, there's so much learning there, um, in terms of watching that plant grow, taking care of it and, and showing them the importance of kind of taking care of mother earth and, you know, fresh from the ground kind of food. Um, and then when you're going grocery shopping, for example, the the receipt paper that you get from the grocery store, you guys, it has it's lined with BPA, which is like mind blowing because you're like, hey, this paper has plastic in it. And so just a simple thing, like if you and me and a thousand other people say, no, thank you, please don't print that receipt paper um, next time you're at the grocery store or going shopping, that's that's helping in in a small way. So those are kind of. I think about the kitchen as a really actionable place (laughs) to start really decreasing your exposure because it's also one of the highest exposure areas because you're actually the food. So just to review, um, look at how you're storing your food. So Tupperware, um, how you're cooking your food. So plastic utensils. A lot of people have plastic spatulas and (laughs) pancake flippers and stuff like that. And then how you're cooking your food. Also, it go, when you're going to the grocery store, consider mm-hmm. actually buying some of, you know, you can get your own fruit produce bags and buy that stuff in bulk that's not already wrapped in single-use plastic. You can um, grow your own herbs, which is so smart because it's, it really is annoying that you have to, <laughs> when you're buying herbs from the grocery store, you get this tiny little bit in this, like, pla- like big, you know, plastic container. Um, it, it, so, it's so much cheaper. Oh, my gosh. My yeah. basil. Every year, I mean, I just grow all my herbs and it's so bountiful and it's, I I, I love saving money. So I'm like, this is great. Yeah. So that's another reason. Yeah. And talk to me about water. So a lot of people have plastic water bottles. I think a lot of people have plastic kid cups, plastic straws, plastic bottles. How do we 
How do we start there? And is it really a problem? Does plastic leach into, let's say, like a cold water bottle? Yep, unfortunately. (laughs) So in general, so two sources that you can find endocrine disrupting chemicals. Number one is in food contact material. So all of that plastic, again, whether it's the packaging, whether it's the actual dish, like the spoon, fork, plate, cup, sippy cup, bottles, um, or the storage, you know, so the actual food contact material is a source of BPA, all bisphenols and phthalates. And even actually the canned line, the when you buy canned food, which is why we want you to go buy fresh produce and fresh grains and, and fresh lentils, uh, because a lot of the canned goods still have um, are lined with BPA, unfortunately. So food contact material is a source of endocrine disrupting chemicals. But so is our water, unfortunately, like actual water. I'm not talking about even the bottles of water. I'm talking about like actual water. So unfortunately, mm. um, these PFAS chemicals, um, and there was a great, I don't know if anyone watches John Oliver, but he did a really great story on really helping people understand the gravity of the situation with PFAS because it is so <laughs> all pervasive. It's actually in our water system as well. And so that is a source of, of PFAS is the actual water source itself in addition to the food contact material. So again, Is everyone going to stop drinking water? No, I do not advise that. You want to stay nice and hydrated (laughs) and, and, you know, like, so again, it's the, it's that balance, but understanding, you know, those decisions that you can make. Okay. The plastic water bottle, the single use throwaway items, it's not going to be great for the, for, for human health, as we're discussing today. It's also horrible for the environment because less than it's only 9% of the world's plastic is actually recycled. And so we think it's getting recycled, but unfortunately it's very expensive to recycle plastic and time. uh, It it takes a lot of time. So it's cheaper and faster to produce new plastic rather than recycling it. So even when you think you're recycling something, unfortunately, most of what you put in your recycling bin is not recyclable. And so just when you kind of start to make those conscious decisions, again, you can't go live under a bunker somewhere but you can make some small changes, like maybe starting to carry around a stainless steel bottle to have, you know, to store your water in, um, you know, some of those grocery bags storing in different materials. So again, I, I, I wish I had, I, I feel like the very bearer of bad news and that's not what this is about. It's about <laughs> all making very small changes because I think that's what I want people to understand is don't feel like, oh my gosh, it's in our water, it's in our food contact material, it's in our furniture, it's everywhere, but rather say, oh, I can make those those three little small changes. And if we all do it, it it's going to make a really big impact. And so yeah. that's what's really important to get from this. Yeah. You know, I talk a lot about um, skincare here and just how a lot of skincare has phylates. And even, you know, I work for a company uh, that we had one of our ingredients in a plastic. We didn't know this, but one of the ingredients, like a lavender that used to scent things, was in a plastic bag. And when we were testing end products, there was BPA in the end product. And they and they had to, like, go back in the supply chain and figure out where the heck was there this exposure to plastics. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm very passionate about what are you putting on your skin every day? And that's going to really impact you and all the things. But truthfully... Skincare was one of the last things, right? And it took probably a good five years for me to say, okay, 
I want to start being aware of my plastic exposure and I need to start switching everything out. And skincare was like at the end because priority Mm -hmm. number one was what am I cooking in? You know, I remember being married and actually sitting on vacation and we saw a stainless steel cooking set on sale. And we that was like a really big purchase for us was to buy a bunch of new stainless steel pans. And so that was like the first thing that we did because you're cooking food in that. Right. So, you know, that was the first thing. And then over time, even to this day, we still wait for sales and on the glass storage containers and buy a few more because you're you're just making these slow shifts over time. And now it's, you know, about stasher bags and silicone bags as opposed to trying to use all these Ziploc bags. But it's something we're still working on, and it's something we've been working on for a lot of years, but it's always been these tiny little shifts, and exactly. it's added up to a lot. So it, Precisely right. Don't feel like you have to do this all at once. Pick, you know, maybe just one or two things that you're going to do, and really think about it in terms of, like, you know, you just said, you know, in terms of, oh, waiting for the sales. These things are an investment in your future health and the health of your children, and so I think about that a lot in terms of what I purchase and kind of being a conscious consumer. Um, And now, you know, never in a million years did I ever foresee myself understanding manufacturing and running a business. It's like not what I went to medical school for. (laughs) But journey, I felt very compelled to create the solution. And unfortunately, during my journey to create the solution, I saw a lot of what you just said, those kind of the the lack of oversight of kind of these consumer products, the um, lack of even responsibility. Like, you know, I, I know you kind of talked about your beauty counter. Is, I, I'm assuming yes. that's what yeah. mm-hmm. I use the counter all the time. I, I love it um, mm-hmm. for the same reason. And so I think it, it's important to recognize that on the back end, there's so much work that has to be done to create safe products and have people who really care that the products that they place um, in your home are truly <laughs> safe. And so I think it's important for until there's better regulation and until it's kind of the norm to put quality and safety to the top of the list, as opposed to just cost and profits, I think it's important for us to all be conscious consumers and choose, you know, whether it's a HIMSA or beauty counter, but, but choosing brands who really are trying to do better, it may cost more. Um, but it's because it costs more to, you know, to, to get that level of quality and safety and ethical practices. But when I think about what I purchase in my own home for my kids and for myself and for my husband, it's always now knowing what I know on the back end, I'm always seeking out um, to be a more conscious consumer and paying maybe a little bit extra to know that I have that peace of mind. And so when I look at products, I, I'm often looking now a little bit deeper um, into what that company is providing me. Mm-hmm. So I have um, some questions from the community, and I think this will give us some quick you know, insight on some swaps and stuff that we can make. So we did answer this, but I think it might be interesting to hear your, your answer. This is from Sarah. She said, it's in everything. How can we limit exposure in really practical ways without breaking the bank? Where is the first place you'd start and the first thing you'd replace? <laughs> so what, like what, and you, uh, I know you created products, so you probably have um, an idea of what's the primary thing? Like, where would you start? What's the first thing you would swap out? Yeah, it, it is really children's dishes. And it's not just because I have a company. But the reason I, <laughs> I the reason I created the company 
is because the overwhelming majority of children's feeding products are plastic. And so that is just very like counterintuitive to the science and the policy statements <laughs> that are coming out. And so again, I, I, I say, you know, we feed our pets out of stainless steel, um, but we somehow as a society chose to feed our children off of plastic. And so if we know that the critical stages of growth and development occur in childhood, and we know that um, kind of the food contact surfaces are kind of a high degree of exposure for endocrine disrupting chemicals, to me, scientifically, that's the first thing I would do, right? And that's, that's why I upended my entire kind of life to create a product <laughs> that can uh, to be there. You know, I never launched Ahimsa as a business. That this was not my intent. It was really for a solution. So that's kind of the first thing I would do. Um, and then if you don't have kids, let's say, for example, and you're not using plastic to eat off of, um, understanding even storing your food um, away from plastic is an easy swap too. So just switching out those Tupperware for glass is an easy way to start um, in addition to the Teflon uh, switch out to uh, stainless steel or cast iron. So with Ahimsa, which is A-H-I-M-S-A-Home.com, you have all the stainless steel stuff there, and it's beautiful. It's got rainbow colors, cups, plates, meal meal kind of sets, like mealtime sets. Why? Now, I have my own opinions, but why did you choose stainless steel as the option um, as opposed to something like bamboo, which I've bought a lot of bamboo plates, kids plates over the years, and a lot of them have cracked and split and like broken on me, which is why I've moved more to stainless steel. But why did you start with that and choose that as like the plastic free kind of, um, you know, utensils and plates and cups stuff and stuff for kids? Yeah, so so twofold. My roots in India and the science of being a pediatrician. <laughs> so those are that's my real answer because um, in India, stainless steel is the material of choice at the dinner table. Um, here, we don't typically think about it at the dining table. Even though if you look around your kitchen, you're literally cooking in stainless steel. Like you're already using it everywhere else. But for some reason, historically society-wise, we have chosen not to put it at the dining table. But in India and many, many other countries around the world, stainless steel is the material of choice. So I grew up on it. And if you have Indian friends, uh, they'll probably tell you the same thing. We all kind of grew up with the little stainless steel cups and we ate out of the plate. And that's just what we did. Like we didn't even know. And so um, it was a very familiar thing. And, you know, I thought, well, if a billion people in India are using it, like they can't all be wrong, right? And so that was one. <laughs> but then the, the the main reason is in that AAP policy statement, they very specifically only named two materials to avoid plastic and rather use glass or stainless steel. And we have the very fortunate and great honor of having an incredible scientific advisory council at our company Ahimsa. And one of those people is Dr. Trasande, who is the lead author of that AAP policy statement, and Dr. Jody Flaws, who is the lead author of the Endocrine Society policy statement on plastics. And when I spoke with them specifically about why they made that recommendation, as opposed to silicone or bamboo, they said that in general, glass and stainless steel has been studied the longest and has been found to be the safest out of all the different materials. Because there are, remember, like there are resins in bamboo that kind of hold those bamboo fibers together that can be you know, still with melamine. Um, 
And same with silicone. Uh, it's not as great in terms of environmental safety and even kind of from, from a health profile. So that's kind of the scientific and kind of, uh, you know, cultural background. But just from a mom, like practically speaking, <laughs> I didn't want to just keep replacing stuff. Like I hated how the plastic would fray and then you'd have to replace it or bamboo or glass break. So even while glass is a great material, children love to test gravity constantly. <laughs> and so I knew it had to still be practical. Um, and if, you know, if you do use stainless steel, you realize how easy it is to clean. So um, it's funny, I think I put on my, my doctor hat, my mom hat and my my immigrant hat on to create mm-hmm. this product. I will have to say, I have never seen some like kids' plates be so beautiful. <laughs> like I, I just, I just brought up the website to make sure that I like spelled it correctly and gave the correct, uh, you know, address. The rainbow, but the iridescent blue is so gorgeous. Like it, my my daughter would love the, you know, both of those, but the rainbow. Oh my gosh! It, <laughs> How did you it, do that? And you know, it's an interesting thing. Um, so that's also based off of science. So. When I designed this, I knew like from a developmental standpoint that children need to be excited, right? At mealtime, you need to encourage them and engage them and make it like a fun mealtime experience because we know that when they're engaged, they're more likely to eat healthier food and have less mealtime battles. And so I thought when I thought, okay, I'm going to use stainless steel because of the reasons I just said well, how in the world am I going to compete with, you know, at the time for my son, um, Lightning McQueen and for my daughter, <laughs> Elsa, like how in the world do you compete with with characters? And so um, my husband is actually a, um, a cancer surgeon. And he one day I saw some of his instruments and they were colored. And I thought, how in the world, like those are medical implants and they're different colors. One was blue, one was yellow. And so I started looking into the process of medical implants being colorful and surgical instruments being colorful. And I realized, so it's actually titanium. So titanium is also like stainless steel, an inert material that's food safe um, and is used in medical instruments and indwelling medical implants. So if you think about stainless steel and titanium, those are kind of like the material of choice in the medical world, right? Like that's why when you go to a hospital, like a lot of things are stainless steel. The things yeah. that they use in the operating room are stainless steel and titanium. So it turns out when you um, do this process called uh, physical vapor deposition, um, you basically kind of change the wavelength of titanium and the byproduct is it produces all these fun, colorful uh, colors. And, and so it's a very thin layer of titanium that goes on top of the stainless steel, both of which are inert safe materials for children. So I, it was really important to me that I wanted to make it exciting, engaging, fun, but I didn't want to negate all the health benefits of stainless steel, right? Because then what was the point of the company <laughs> if, if we weren't, you know, going to provide something safe? And right. so that's how the story came to be that I decided to put rainbows on on uh, stainless steel. I, everybody has to go look at this. It's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> it's like almost mesmerizing. It's just how it's like, how does that work? Um, it is. <laughs> my husband, I don't know how my, my like, I you know, I, I typically, like, I like the cooking. My husband cooks too, but he is the dish man, he calls himself. Mm. He says, you know, these are just fun to wash. I have to say, <laughs> they are very 
rising and and they're you know shiny and reflective Mm -hmm. so they are definitely eye candy (laughs) so last question you've answered pretty much everybody's questions last question is from katie she says what legal and policy movements can we get involved with to better regulate all of these things getting into our lives in the first place do you have any kind of resources for us for people who want to get more involved Yes, that is a great question. And I'm currently working on kind of, you know, coming up with some great resources and links even on our website that people are able to kind of just, you know, sign and make it really easy. One of the things that is really important to understand is when the AAP kind of talked about this uh, whole issue, they actually said in their policy statement, hey, parents, this is going to take a while. We need to talk to the FDA and we're going to try to work with the FDA and even congressional kind of legislation um, to change the oversight. But in the meantime, here are the things you can do as a consumer. And so um, they kind of brought to the forefront the need for like attention surrounding this. So one of the things that you could do is go to regulations.gov and there's kind of some petitions on there um, that you can definitely um, sign. One of the biggest things that I've done and actually got some forward movement, there is a wonderful um, congressman, Congressman uh, Christian Murthy from uh, Illinois. He's on the House Oversight Committee um, and actually investigated that toxic heavy metals in baby food. Um, he was the main um, congressman there. And so I just went to his website and emailed him and they emailed me back. And so <laughs> it turns out that maybe they people really do care. And so mm-hmm. I think just involved in saying, hey, listen, I have a concern about this and feeling empowered that, listen, when BPA was banned from uh, baby bottles, again, it's not the it's not the total result that we want, but it's at least a forward step in removing some of those bisphenols. It wasn't millions of moms. It was a handful of moms, right? It was a handful of moms who just kind of knocked on the doors and Guess, guess who, you know, legislation and um, big companies, guess who they're scared of? They're scared of moms. Like, like we're <laughs> like mama bears. Like we, it's, it's like when we realize something's bad for our children um, and we know that it causes harm, like we put on our mama bear hats and we say, okay, this has got to change. Like we have to protect the kids. And so I think really engaging some of these people who really care um, to say we need something better at the FDA level and at kind of the overall regulations level. Um, I do think there are a lot of people out there who care and who want to help. Um, So I'm happy to send you some more resources. And like I said, we're trying to make our website very easy for parents to get involved with simple clicks uh, to sign petitions. And um, we'll even be putting kind of some of these names um, up, up on our website, but you can just, you know, find your local congressman and even send a shoot an email over and even cite the, um, American Academy of Pediatrics food policy statement from 2018 voicing your concern. I love it. I love it. Okay. So what are you guys working on now? Cause I'm looking at the website and I see the, you have like a kid's set. So it's not just plates and cups. It's also bowls and utensils, which I think are really great. Um, and you also have like bundles where you can, um, like save, you know, by buying things together. What have you got coming up? Cause you did mention you have a couple things, including, um, storage containers later this year in 2022, which still feels weird to say, but, uh, later this year. So what, what other things do you have going on? 
Yeah, so some really exciting things. Our starting solid set, you know, we want to introduce uh, uh, really great, uh, safe, sustainable materials when your baby is starting solids and throughout the entire food journey. So we have a starting solid uh, set for, you know, children who are right around that six months age and, you know, going on that food journey for the first time, a little trainer, open cup a bowl and a tiny spoon. Um, And then we've got the mindful mealtime set that's designed very specifically, not just with the safe, sustainable materials, but to help kind of teach, you know, that variety, the age appropriate portions, like everything about uh, every one of our products is designed kind of with a pediatrician uh, uh, lens (laughs) to help your children and help you as parents um, make mealtime a little, you know, less complicated. And Um, Later this year, we are going to try to release some new colors. Um, We will be working on kind of a lunch kit and storage containers. But right now, I think the most important and exciting thing is that we are actually launching um, a commercial line with stainless steel cafeteria trays for your child's school. So I could not be more excited and more proud of this particular project because I think this is the way... Um, that we can really change things at a mass level for hopefully millions of children at one time. And so remember, our children in non-COVID years are typically in school and eating many, many meals in school. And so it's important to to, uh, think about keeping them safe wherever they dine, right? Whether that's at home or at school. And so unfortunately, most schools, the overwhelming majority of schools in the United States are not following the latest American Academy of Pediatrics guidance, um, you know, trying to really decrease the impact of plastic. And unfortunately, many are still using single use uh, disposables. Um, and or they're using uh, reusable plastic trays. So we have a wonderful product now for schools to um, to use. So you can go to ahimsahome.com backslash um, pages backslash cafeteria. I can you know send you the the link and mm-hmm. you watch our video and even download an awesome brochure uh, to send directly to your uh, leaders at your school. Very cool. You are not busy at all. I <laughs> don't have anything going on. I really, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk us through so many things, to give so many tips, and for even going as far as to create stainless steel products for kids. You've got it. You've got it all. And I so appreciate your time. And I will link to everything that you heard in the show notes um, to everybody listening so that you can both look at um, maybe things that we can do in the future to help out and also just some safe kids containers and and plates and all the things um so yeah i really appreciate you being here thank you so much thank you so much for having me awesome all right so for more from ahimsa you can go to ahimsahome.com for more from me coconutsandkettlebells.com thanks guys for being here thank you for sending in all your questions we will talk to you next week <laughs>